Hi, my name is Danny, and I am an alcoholic. Hey, Danny. Uh, my sobriety date is uh, August 19th, 1988, and I just say that because I got one. And uh, it, uh, it has a lot more to do with Alcoholics Anonymous and a power greater than myself. I tell people I'm here because God is good, not because I am good, because I'm not good. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I'm better. I'm better, but I'm, I'm definitely not good. Uh, <clears throat> I grew up in what I refer to as a, a fully functional family. Uh, there was stuff that happened, you know, and, and there, were, there, were, there were unfortunate things. And, you know, my parents did the best they, they could with, with some of the things that happened. You know, when I was, uh, when I was uh, uh, eight years old, I had an older brother who, uh, who uh, was a rubella baby. He was one of those who was, uh, was cursed with the fact that my mother was given German measles uh, at uh, when she was in her first trimester, and he was born with every every birth defect that could come along with that. And and but he he lived. Uh, my parents refused to. Back then, they would just look at you and they would say, "Oh, just put him in a home," you know. And and uh, and my mom said, "Oh hell no." And uh, just to give you a little indication of how how cool my parents are, my mom blackmailed the uh, United States Navy. My father was a, a, a doctor in the in the Navy and. She went to the base commander, the hospital commander one day, and she said, you're going to give my son. She found out they had just come up with uh, uh, tests that they could nonverbal people and they could go through and give tests to them because he was blind. And uh, she needed to get him glasses. And they said, no, no, no. And so she walked in and she said, okay, so here's the deal. Uh, either you get these tests or I'm going to go check myself into the finest mental institution on the east coast of the united states of america and stay for as long as i want to because this kid's driving me crazy and uh to which the the she had a, a commander who's like a bird colonel and any any other thing looks over at her and he says when you want the tests and uh you know and so my parents are good people they they still are good they still are good people uh you know and that happened and uh, I got in. I I I was uh, I was very much an adult. I was probably in my forties before I realized I had traumatic brain injury when I was nine years old because I came around the corner one day and uh, there was a car coming at me and uh, he won uh, and we didn't wear helmets back then and all that stuff and I woke up the next day in the hospital. Uh, I couldn't walk for a couple of weeks. They kept doing EEGs on me for years after that and that's why I'm sitting there one day. I'm like. I'm, I'm an educator, okay? I've been doing this for, for a while at the time. And I'm reading about traumatic brain injury one day, and I went, oh, holy crap, I had traumatic brain injury. Uh, but luckily, I, I was young, and, and uh, uh, I don't know. My sponsor always used to look at me when I got sober, and he goes, they never expected you to turn out normal anyway, did they? You know, because I, I tell him my story, and I'm, I'm like, oh, no, probably not. Uh, but, but so there was, there were tumultuous things that happened, but I don't blame my alcoholism on, on that because, you know, my brother lived through some of this stuff. My sister lived through this stuff too. And, and they're not alcoholic, you know, uh, and my brother, I think is just as neurotic as I am, but unfortunately for him, alcohol didn't work the way it did for me, you know? And, and, and I say, unfortunately, because, you know, I started drinking, and actually the first time I got drunk, I got drunk with my brother. He was a senior in high school. I was a freshman in high school. We needed some place to drink, so my parents were out for the night, so we went to our house, okay? And, uh, and we started drinking, and it was a great night, you know? I remember I had several beers, and I had, I had had some other trendy chemical amusement aid before that, 
Uh, and 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 I I was used to you breathe it in, it kicks in. And I said, when's this stuff kick in? And and they said, oh, it'll kick in. And so I don't know. I had nine beers. We we I first night I hit my parents' liquor cabinet. They had a fairly nice liquor cabinet. I started watering down stuff that first night. Uh, and and uh, you know, and it was funny because I was on a bicycle. Uh, and so I had to get back to my friend's house on a bicycle. And so I go out and, and this is the story of my life. You know, I could ride that thing, but getting started was hard. You know, and I remember I fell over and laughed and, you know, and I got back on that thing. My friend tells me I had a brownout that night because I don't remember parts of it already. So I blacked out the first night I drank. Just parts of the night are gone. Uh, but he says, yeah, you'd be going along. And he says, and you just start to go like this. And he says, and right before you were about to hit the ground, you'd get it straight and keep going on. And I thought that was awesome. Okay. I, cause I woke up in the morning, I had puked. Uh, I was, you know, face down in a puddle of puke and all that stuff. And, uh, and you know what? I couldn't wait to do it again. You know, we cleaned that up and, and as best we could before his mom got home. His mom worked nights and, and we cleaned that up, uh, you know, and it was like and my friend had gotten sick the first time he had drank and he didn't drink for like six months after that. I couldn't wait to do it again. You know, it was one of those things where it was like, oh, no, I want to do this again as much as I possibly can. Uh, I started getting into to trouble. You know, things started kind of going south. Uh, well, from there on in, uh, you know, uh, and, and, and even I, you know, it was one of those things where I started drinking. I'm a blackout drinker. I've been a blackout drinker from, like I said, from the first night, I didn't blackout every night, but, uh, given the ability to drink it fast enough, you know, I, I would do that. And I started noticing that things were kind of, kind of out of whack and all that stuff. Cause I also, as I said, I, I, everything else I used, I, we were just talking about this. I used everything alcoholically. You know, it was like, I'm the kind of guy who looks down at the, the, the bag of weed and goes, where'd it go? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just kind of like, Hey, we finished it all. Uh, you know, and, and, and that's how I did everything. If one's good, 20's better, you know, and, and, and I will go, uh, I, I mean, uh, some of the stuff that happened earlier, you know, I, I'm the kind of guy who I steal your beer. Okay, because when my beers, you know, you all go out, we'd all go out, we'd buy beer and all that stuff, and I would drink mine, and I'd, and all of a sudden somebody's going, hey man, who took the last, who took that beer? And I'm just standing there, and they're like, you're a dick. And I'll, you know, but it, it didn't matter, you know, I, because I needed that beer, you know, and I'm the kind of guy who, I, I, I go out drinking and all that, and, and, uh, I'd go to a party and I'd drink and I, I'd, I'd, get, I'd get sick or I'd be like sitting there and I'm going, oh, I got to go throw up. And so I go into the bathroom or I, you know, find someplace and I throw up and I'm the kind who walks back out and goes, okay, the system's clear. I need a beer. Okay. Number one, I got to wash this taste out of my mouth because that, that isn't pleasant. But number two, I don't have any alcohol in my stomach anymore. I can drink as much as I want to now. And, and, uh, and that's how I, that's just how I drank. And, and, uh, I would, I would wake up, uh, at home and in a general way, more than once I have woken up at home and I have no idea how I got there. You know, I, I don't know what happened. 
I've woken up in other people's houses. Had no idea how I, they usually would fill me in and all of that stuff on, on what happened. Uh, you know, I get a call from a friend. Do you know what you did last night? You know, and, 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 you know, the only reason I apologized and all that stuff for a lot of these things was because I'm like, this is going to, this is going to affect my supply. You know, that I've got to do this and all that stuff. Uh, but, you know, I, I did stuff like I went out one day and we started drinking and all that. And I, I came home at 530 in the afternoon because I had promised my grandmother I would be home. My parents were, were on vacation. My grandmother, I think she was only 76 at the time. And, uh, you know, and, and uh, I, I, I came home in a, a blackout and I knew how I couldn't work keys and locks, but I could pop windows. So I, and they hear this commotion in the back of the house and they come back and they find me drunk and, and all that stuff. And, uh, and from what I'm told, cause I have no recollection, recollection of this, that, you know, my grandmother thought I must be on a lot of other stuff. No, uh, my brother says, no, he's just drunk, you know? And, and, uh, I woke up at about 1230 that night with him standing over me cause they kept coming in to make sure I was still breathing, I think, and all that. And uh, him standing over me, and he looked at me, and he said, you fucked up this time. And, uh, you know, I came out the next morning, and my grandmother said, you know, you talk a good game. And uh, she never told my parents about that. And I think it was more because she was embarrassed that I had gotten over on her as, as much as I had gotten over on her. Uh, my parents discovered what was going on, and uh, that was nobody was – all too happy about that. My maternal grandfather, who I happen to be the spit and image of, uh, was a drunk. And my mom, so my mom grew up with the drunk. And I didn't really, I didn't know that man because my mom said my grandfather never stopped drinking and he, he uh, died at 59 from stomach cancer. Uh, but as a child, he was a great, my mom said he was a terrific grandfather. He was a, she goes, he was a lousy father because she, she thought dentists, you went to the dentist in the back of the bar, you know? So when she turned 16 years old, she got a, she got a, she got a job to get insurance so that she could get her teeth fixed because my grandfather couldn't do it. She said he'd either come home flush with money because he was a gambler too, uh, or he'd come home busted, you know, and, and he'd be out of money. Uh, my grandmother was a, a tough tough uh, Irish Catholic woman who left the church in the 20s because she didn't agree with their stance on women's issues uh, and, uh, and, and all that. And, and, uh, but she, she stayed with my grandfather because she had already gotten divorced once. And uh, I think she loved my grandfather. But my mom said he was just a terrible, terrible dad. And so when I started, when, when I came along and, and uh, you know, I, I lied. I told him, oh, yeah, I'll stop. Oh, yeah, I won't do this anymore. Oh, yeah, there was no way in hell I wasn't doing this anymore. You know, even though even at the age of 15, 16, 17 years old, I was starting to experience some, some, uh, some physical difficulties because of my drinking. Because, uh, And I've heard another speaker say it. That the problem was is I couldn't stay drunk. I couldn't stay loaded all of the time. And, and when I would start to come down, I was a little keyed up, you know, my, my nerves were kind of, kind of rattled because, you know, I was kind of nervous before that. And I said, my brother wasn't lucky and all that stuff. When I discovered alcohol, it took care of all of that. 
you know, all of a sudden I'm like, damn, I can do stuff, you know, and I could always do stuff. And I, and I, you know, I did a lot of stuff and I was, I was raised to go to school. I was in drama. I was in band. I was on the swim team. Uh, you know, I, there were, I, I did all sorts of things and, and, you know, and I lived, lived, I had a good life. I had a good upbringing. Uh, you know, we'd run around in the desert out here and get in all sorts of trouble. Well, actually, we didn't get into trouble because there was nobody out there. Uh, you know, we just had fun. And, uh, you know, we'd come in. And that was back in the days when, you know, I'd get done with my chores in the morning and my mom would say, be back by 530. That's dinner time. If I didn't get back, I didn't eat. Uh, you know, and I like eating. So I was back, you know, but but we do, we do all of that stuff. And, and so... <laughs> You know, things were not good. And uh, my uh, my senior year in high school, uh, I got thrown out of, of high school for being drunk and disorderly during play rehearsal. Uh, I was Captain Frank Burns in the play MASH. He's a he's a captain in the play. Uh, and so and it was it was a great role and I should have loved it. And we went out to dinner one night and couldn't find any trendy chemical amusement aids. So we we drank. And uh, I came back and somebody got pissed off at me and I got pissed off at them. And I went into a rage blackout, the, the alcohol and the anger together. And I don't remember throwing chairs. I don't remember doing the stuff that I, I don't remember any of that, you know. And, and uh, I do remember being in the car and my friend going, oh, we're in trouble, man. You know, you're in trouble. Uh, he had graduated already. So I, I was in trouble. And, and uh, you know, another one of the guys who were, who we were drinking with that night, he cut his leg trying to hop over a fence and he didn't like guys in uniforms. So he got arrested when the, the fire department showed up because he didn't like guys in uniforms. Uh, and all that. I was lucky I didn't get arrested, but I did get, uh, I did get thrown out of school for that. And there were all sorts of rumors going about uh, around about what I would, you know, Oh, he was on PCP and blah, blah. And it's like, no, I was just drunk, you know, because I'm an alcoholic. And when I put alcohol into my body, it, it does something to me that it doesn't do to the normal drinker, you know, and, and, uh, th I learned that in Alcoholics Anonymous that, uh, you know, that I have an allergy to alcohol and I'm one of those people. I firmly believe that the first time I drank and some people drink their, 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 they drink over that line. You know, and they, they, they drink, they go, well, I started out and I was a fairly normal drinker. And then I've heard those stories and I'm like, and you know, that's the cool thing is it, it isn't where you, where you started. It's where you ended up. But I'm one of those who I took a drink, the drink took me and I wasn't looking back. I was just, I was, I was ready for it. And, uh, and like I said, my brother and I got drunk together the first night and he would say things to me like, I'm starting to feel queasy. I don't think I want to have any more. And I would look at him and say, you can drink through that, you know, it just keep going, you know, and, and all that, that it, that was, you know, I didn't understand how somebody, and I would kind of look at him and go, I feel bad for you because I got such relief out of it. But at the same time, 16 years old, sitting in my bedroom one day with a cooler uh, of beer on a Saturday afternoon and thinking to myself, you know, most of my friends aren't doing this right now. I wonder what's wrong with me, you know, and, and, and waking up at home again and, and, uh, and going, ah, damn, I did it again, you know, and, and, and having like flashes of memory from nights and going, oh, holy, oh, 
you know, and it, that disgust with myself just, you know, I, I was just disgusted. And, and, but, you know, you could successfully drink that away for a little while, you know, and, and, and rationalize it and say, oh, well, everybody does this kind of stuff. And, and, you know, it was perfectly plain that not everybody did that. I also discovered, <laughs> we were talking tonight, when people would say something to me of, hey, take this, you can drink all night, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and I, I was like, hey, yeah, you know, and I had a sponsor later on, and he was, he, he was in the Navy, he was about 19 years into his career in the Navy, so he's getting ready to, you know, retire, uh, and he discovered speed because he said he lost his ability to control. He would have three beers and he'd be drunk, so he had to start taking speed. And I totally related. I'm like, well, I started doing that when I was 17 years old. You're a little slow, uh, you know, because because I discovered at the time, you know, and, and that's all somebody had to say to me. Hey, do this, and you can drink all night long. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome, you know. And and so so. When I was about 17 years old, I actually got approached by somebody. I got 12 stepped by the student body president of my school, actually by her best friend who sat next to me in physics. She couldn't do physics worth a damn. Uh, but, uh, but she happened to be sitting next to me. So is this odd or is this God? Because she shouldn't have been in that physics class. Uh, but uh, she was sitting next to me and, and uh, she looked at me one day and she said, hey, Kim wants to know if you go to a 12-step meeting for teens with her because... She needs to go there because she's a student body president and the, the principal wants her to go find out about drug programs for, for you know, our, our, our people. And uh, she doesn't want to go alone. You thought maybe you could go because you kind of belong. And uh, I went, you know, I, you know, and it wasn't particularly because she was asking me or because, but I went. And uh, I've had occasion to, to, to tell that because I've seen the student body president, Kim, again and all that stuff. And we... We, we, we went into each other, at, and I, I said, you know, you saved my life, you know, because if, if and, and unfortunately, her friend has now passed away, but if she, if Betty hadn't asked me, and if Kim hadn't taken me, you know, and, and introduced me to this, I don't know if I'd be alive, because I, 17, no, yeah, I was 17 years old at the time, and uh, uh, I started to, to try to do something about my alcoholism. Uh, I didn't stay sober uh, from that time until now. Uh, I kept on going out and I'd, I'd try it again and I'd try different things. And, you know, uh, and, and I, I didn't, you know, I wasn't being honest and I was, you know, I still a, a liar, a cheat and a thief and, and, uh, and all those things. And, and so, but I started coming to 12 step meetings. I started going to, to different drift, different meetings and it was called the Palmer Drug Abuse Program and then there was, but I'd go to NA meetings and I'd go to AA meetings and I, and, but I started trying this because I already knew there was something wrong. Like I said, I, I have these flashes where I'm like, this just ain't right. You know, I, I tell people <laughs> squealing tires, honking horns, screaming drivers. You know, I've had those experiences where you're driving along drunk and all that stuff. And it's like, oh, 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 my God, that was so close. Hand me a beer. Uh, you know, I, I, got, I got to come down off of this. I'm a little amped up right now and all that stuff. But the answer was do more of what was getting me in, into, that, into that situation, you know. And, and so, but I, I would have those flashes and go, God, this is not good. This is just not good. And 
So I bounced in and out of 12-step uh, of programs for, uh, for the next four and a half, five years or, or so and all that stuff. And uh, I came back to Alcoholics Anonymous uh, on August 19th, uh, 1988. And I, uh, I went to a group and I was, I was down in Tucson. I was going to school. Uh, and I, I uh, went to a meeting. Uh, and I went back to this meeting. I had, my sponsor at the time, Mike, had taken me to to this meeting, and they were known as being hard asses. Uh, they they had a reputation around around Tucson that you would go. Uh, you went to the Southside group, and people would go, "Ooh," uh, and you know, and, and all that. And and so I I went back. I went to this group because I said, you know, I got to do something. And I, I went to the group, and I thought, it's not going to work. I thought I crossed some wires, burnt some circuits. They weren't coming back again and, and all that stuff. Uh, but I'm like, I'm going to go to this group. And I went to this group, and they said, if you come and go where we go and do what we do, you won't ever have to drink again, which is a really cute way of saying, rarely have we seen a, seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Uh, but But... They said, you know, if you if you do this, you won't ever have to you won't have to drink again. And the first night I got there, uh, Mike Mike Bryant, I'll use his his last name because he's dead. Uh, and I love Mike. Okay, and he was Barber Mike. He was Mike B two because we had so many Mikes and more with one Bs. But Mike, uh, he was one of those guys who liked to violate personal space. Got his ass kicked doing that once, but uh, sober. Uh, and, but, uh, but he would lean in and he leans in and he goes, you know, if you keep doing what you're doing, you could die. Then he looks at me and he says, worse yet, you could keep living the way you're living. And I went, Ooh. you know, even at that time, that was like straight to the bone. It was like taking a needle and just hitting bone with it. And I was like, oh, because, you know, I wanted to die. I, 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 I just wanted to die. I didn't want to have to do this shit. I just wanted to die. You know, if, if, if I could have died without taking my life, I did have this, this fear of taking my life because somebody had told me you go straight to hell for that. So uh, probably I, that was a good fear. kept me alive. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, but I, if, if God by chance just took me somehow, I was okay with that. I thought That's, that'll be good, you know. Uh, but I didn't die. Uh, and so I kept coming back. And I, I kept coming back. And this guy named uh, Henry, Henry kept asking me if I had a sponsor, if I had a sponsor. They'd ask that all the time. And I'm like, no. And I was thinking of asking Bill or I was thinking of asking Jim. Or, and I said, well, I'm thinking of asking Jim because Bill was scary. Uh, they called him Lonesome Bill because he was scary. But uh, he was a great guy. But uh, I said, I'm thinking of asking Jim. And Henry goes, oh, go, go ask him. Go ask him. And I didn't realize Jim was his sponsor. And he was just looking for somebody to take the heat for being dumber than he was. Uh, and so he sent me over there. And I asked Jim to, to be my sponsor. And Jim and I sat down. And he didn't tell me to read the first 164 pages of that book. So he gave me three chapters. He says, I don't think you'll stay sober that long. Uh, so how about you read these three? And then we'll get together. And we'll, we'll talk about it. And he said, you have to call me every day. If you don't call me for 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 two days, I'll figure that the deal's off. Uh, and, and he said, this is like a business arrangement. He says, I show you what I did to stay sober and I get to stay sober in return. And if you do what I've done, it worked for me and it's worked for my sponsor for nine years and it's worked for his original sponsor for 17 years, who was Lloyd. Uh, and, and he goes, so it should work for you. 
And he goes, he goes, so this isn't personal. He goes, it's just too heartbreaking. <laughs> and he says, so I, I, you know, it's just kind of like a business thing. And I went, oh, but that was cool because I could tell him anything. It was like, this is business. You know, it's like, I'm not worried about you getting hurt or you hurt, you know, and it's all that stuff. And he and I started working the steps and we did a first step together and he had me write down stuff uh, and tell him about it where I was powerless over alcohol and, and my life was unmanageable. And he did that because he wanted to know enough of my story because he'd looked at me and he says, if you ever doubt that you're an alcoholic, you just come ask me. And I would. And I'd go up to him and I'd go, hey, Jim, today I was thinking maybe I'm not alcoholic. And he'd say, hey, how many people come in and out of Alcoholics Anonymous five times who aren't alcoholics? And I go, ooh, that's a good point. And he'd go, okay, so how many people come home at 5.30 in the afternoon and scare the hell out of grandma in a blackout who aren't, who aren't alcoholics? And I'd go, oh. That's a good point. You know, and I was 13 years sober before I go, that son of a gun never told me I was an alcoholic. He just told me my own story. And he would feed me my own story and send me on my way and I'd stay sober another day. You know, and, and, uh, and he and I worked the steps together. So we did that first step and then we did the second step. And God bless him. We did the second step and we read that part in the book and it says, do you now believe or are you willing to believe in a, in a power greater than yourself? You know, and, you know, and he says, all you have to do is be willing to believe that. He goes, I said, yes. And he goes, great. Don't even want to know. Doesn't matter. Don't care what it is. Okay. And I'm like, oh, okay. So he goes, read on. So I kept reading in the book and we got to the third step and, and uh, we did the third step prayer and we did the three frogs on a log, two, you know, three birds on a wire. We did all that, that stuff, and, uh, you know, and all that. And, and I read, but I read that prayer and, you know, it says sometimes it affects a great one was felt. Now, nah. uh, sorry, uh, you know, <laughs> my head was far, way too far up my ass at that point to, to have anything like that happen. It was just like the light was not on, and uh, and and uh, he, uh, but but he looks at me and he says, "Okay," and we did that, and we did it sitting. I didn't do it on my knees. I, for those of you who do that, that's wonderful and all that. I did it sitting on the back of a, a '57 Chevy that was. A piece of crap. Uh, we're sitting on the back of back of his car, sitting on that tailgate. We did that together, and, and uh, you know. And he goes, "Read the rest of the page." And we got down to the bottom of the page, and it says, "This step would have little permanent effect unless immediately followed by action." The first step, of which is inventory, which many of us had never tried, uh, and this is a fact-finding and facing prospect. And so he says, "Okay, so I want you to go get a pad. I want you to go get a pen, not a pencil. Get a get a pen." Uh, and he says, and, and you're going to, and we went through and we read the thing about how to do the fourth step. And he says, and you're going to start writing down all your resentments. Damn, I had a lot of resentments. I mean, people who are actually in my life, like my, or my life, like not my wife, I didn't have one. Uh, like my, my brother and, you know, the guy who beat me up in the second grade or stabbed me with the pencil. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Lyndon B. Johnson. Vietnam, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I had resentments against all frat boys, you know, uh, just you name it. Because he said, walk around with a pad and I'd carry a little pad with me during the day and I'd walk by somebody and I'd go, I'd, I'd be writing stuff down. I'm like, you people pissed me off. Uh, and it says real or imagined, you know, 
And he says, and and I wrote some of them down multiple times. He says, you're not allowed to look back till we get to the the, the, the fifth step, which you'll probably never get to. Uh, and so, uh, you know, uh, so we we did that. And, uh, and then I actually did finish the fourth step. I finished it right after finals or right around finals of uh, 88. And I had been up all night. I went over and I read half of it to him the first night. And it was cold and it was drafty in his house. And I'm falling asleep because I, I just rewrote an entire paper. I, I got the idea. I wrote the paper. And I'm like, and then I went to the bathroom and I sat down and I go, oh, God damn it. Because I figured out what the paper really should be about. And so I rewrote the paper and it was much better. But I was, I was just spent... And so I went to work again the next day and I went to a meeting and we came back and we finished that, that fifth step together. He remembers that night. I remember that night. It was not pleasant. Uh, again, there are promises after the fifth step that I got, but I didn't realize I had gotten them in t for another year and three months. Uh, you know, I'm slow. Uh, so so uh, we did that together and then he had me, I, six and seven, I couldn't go home and do six and seven because I went home and all asleep. Uh, and then I came up here for the holidays and, uh, I came up and, uh, I did six and seven. Uh, I started writing that. They always told me, they say, we'll know you're willing when you start doing it. Nobody ever suggested to me to go back to the step before and pray for willingness. They just said, we'll know you're willing when you start doing it. And so everything was action with them. Nothing was, you know, and, and I've used the F word once, but I'll use it again because they used to look at me and they'd say, fuck your feelings, work the steps. And that wasn't because, because my sponsor later admitted, he says, yeah, we were spiritual bullies. Uh, he said, you know, but he said, but what we knew was you already spent so much time immersed in your feelings and, and, and all of that stuff. Mike, B, Mike Bryant uh, looked up, looked at me one day and I came out and he goes, you look like you're thinking about how you're feeling about how you're thinking. And I went, how the hell did he know? You know, because I was, they called us the head warriors. I got sober with these other guys and, and we were, there was, a, there was a war going on between our ears. Okay. And you could just look at us and go, oh, that is not pleasant. And it, it was not, you know, so I was not one of those guys who got sober. And that was, you know, when I got sober, you know, this thing was alive. Uh, and, and so... So I just kept doing that stuff, and I did that. I wrote that eighth step, and uh, and then, you know, I went and I we Jim and I went through and we we uh, we talked about talked about the the eighth step, and he says, okay, you're going to start making amends, and so I went out and I started making amends, and uh, my first amends were returning stuff that didn't belong to me, uh, like milk crates. Uh, you know, you used to make bookcases out of them and you could make a whole, you know, you could make a TV stand out of them with the board and, and all that. Well, but they actually belong to 7-Eleven. Uh, so, uh, you know, because you got, uh, you know, and I made amends to a place I worked at. We used to just liberally walk in there and go, oh, look, they left the closet open. Uh, and so, you know, if our drunk assistant manager uh, forgot to lock the liquor cabinet, yeah, that stuff went out of there. And I helped. Uh, and, and so I, I went and made amends for that, you know, uh, price club, which is now Costco. Yeah. We stole stuff. 
And the thing was, is I was even paying for stuff that I was only an accomplice in and, and all that. And people said, because my, my sponsor told me the story. He had been in on a, a, an insurance fraud where they had taken a, a car and pushed it off of a, a hill out in the Tucson mountains. Uh, and, and he says, God, they don't really blow up when they hit the bottom. Boy, is that loud. Uh, but he went back and he paid back for it because he said, I was in on it. I was in on the insurance fraud. And they, they, they even looked at him. And they said, well, you're going to have to tell us who it is. And he goes, do you want your money or do you want me? And they, they were like, yeah, we'll take our money. You know, and, and one of my friends. So my friends, I had great, great models. And so I, I paid back. I worked for Fry's Food Stores at the time. I started working for them when I was going, going to college. And uh, I took a year off. And that's when I started working for them. And I went in and I went into the the manager's office and I hand him this list and it's an itemized list. I said, I think this is everything I've stolen from you in the time that I've been here. And I'll tell you something, they fire you for that. Okay. Uh, and he looked at me and he goes, and I gave him a money order and he looks at the money order and he looks at the list and he looks at the, he goes, can you save these up and give them to me in bigger amounts? Because I can't put this small amount into the till every week, but I could slide in like $60 or $80 every, you know, every so often. And I looked at him and I'm like, you're the store manager. <laughs> and, and I'm like, and you're not going to fire me. And, and he didn't fire me, you know? And, uh, I, you know, so working those steps, I, uh, I tell people something somewhere in that ninth step, something happened. And my sponsor had told me when I got sober, he says, I can't tell you what it's like to be here. You wouldn't believe me if I did. He says, but I can show you how I got here. And if you do what we've done when you get here, you'll know. And, uh, and I can tell you that somewhere in that ninth step, something happened. And I could look the world in the eye. I was like, wow. I used to stare at my feet so bad. I was walking along one day, and this guy on a bike comes, and he moves in front of me, and then he moves in front of me. And I finally look up, and I go, oh, hi, Jonathan. Uh, but I, I was so busy at looking at my feet, even sober that, you know, uh, that, 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 that was something. And, and so, so the last 34 years, uh, have gone by really quickly, but I've stayed sober and they haven't always been easy. And, and my mind still, I've still got an alcoholic brain every once in a while. They'll say, Hmm, you never drank that. Uh, you know, and, and they've come up with a lot of stuff, you know, since then, I'm pretty sure it all still has the same effect. Uh, in that time, I've been single, I've been married, I've been divorced. Uh, that was not pleasant. Uh, you know, my, my divorce was, uh, it, it was not amicable. Uh, and, and I really hated her uh, at, at the time. And, and, but, you know, it was one of those things. One of my friends came up to me. I wanted to kick his butt one night because he's coming up and he's giving me advice on how to, to deal with this and all that stuff took everything not to throw that back in his face when he was getting divorced. Uh, you know, but, but I didn't because it's like, all I could say to him was, yeah, it's hard, you know, and, and, and people go through stuff and it's hard, you know, and, and, uh, I always used to joke, I got, I got the dog. She kept her kids and I got the dog out of that marriage. I love that dog. Uh, and I do still talk to one of her, one of her children though, fairly regularly. Uh, but there's been there's been a lot of stuff that's happened that you know right now uh, my father is 
86 years old. We don't know if he'll make it to 87. He has a progressive lung disease and, and he is, but you know, my brother called in the, the shock, you know, oh, we got to, you know, do the death watch and all that stuff and a while back. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know, so I went over and saw him and I go, I still go over and see him. And that was about two months ago. He's still living. Uh, so, and people go, how's your dad? And I go, he's still alive. Uh, I don't know that he's all that happy or anything. I got remarried. I'm, I'm married to a wonderful, wonderful lady. I have, uh, I have two beautiful daughters. Uh, I, I became a teacher, uh, which is funny because when I was in high school, I was high a lot, uh, you know, and, and, uh, I, I kicked people out of school for the stuff that I used to do. And they wonder, how do you know? And it's like, you know, and I'll even tell them, I either did it, I thought about doing it, I knew somebody had done it, or, you know, <laughs> you know, like one kid looked at me one day and he goes, I don't even know if this is really marijuana. And I picked it up and I went, it is. And I set it down and nobody asked, how? How do you know that? You know, and, and all that stuff. Uh, uh, because I became a teacher for 17 years, then I became a, an assistant principal, and now I'm a director of the alternative school. So I get a lot of kids who... Uh, uh, aren't academically all that, all that great. And I love them, you know, and I, I, I like the, I like trouble kids cause I understand them, you know, and I even 12 step them. And some of them are going to come to an AA meeting someday and go, and they're just going to be really curious. Cause you, you know, you look at, a, I, I look at kids and I go, Hey, if you go to a barbershop often enough, you're probably going to get a haircut. If you keep going and hanging around all those people that have all those drugs you keep using, you're probably going to use it. Oh, no, no, I won't do that again. And I just sit there and I smile and I go, okay. And then when they come in, but I, I have a bad habit with, I never say I told you so because I, I just sound so patronizing and all that stuff too. What I ask people is, did you learn anything? Because if you didn't learn anything, that was a wasted event. You know, I ask my own daughters that they hate it, uh, you know, but, and, and, and like I said, I should not be sober today because there have been enough times during my sobriety when there's been enough mental anguish and all that stuff that, that, uh, you know, if it weren't for the fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous sponsorship, and and uh, the steps of, of Alcoholics Anonymous that keep bringing me back to a God that I don't fully understand, I wouldn't be sober. And uh, I thought about it today. We read we read the keys to the kingdom the other night in a meeting I went to, and then we read we were reading something out of the grapevine, and I still learn stuff. And it's like I'm you know we've got a guy we joke about they call him slowly and all that stuff, but really. You know, and, and I, I hesitate to tell people that it's like, no, my brain still tells me sometimes maybe you're not alcoholic. And I'm like, oh, and I, I so I tell myself my own story and then I'm like, ah, uh, that's so funny. Uh, you know, but I've still got an alcoholic brain and, and I hesitate to tell people that because they go, oh, you got 34 years sober and, and it, it, you're not better than that. And I'm like, don't do that to me. I do that to myself. Uh, you know, I figure I should be better than this, but you know, to quote my, my first sponsor, Jim, who, by the way, is still alive and very healthy and down in, in Tucson and all that stuff. And I go and I see him every once in a while. We get together. Uh, but he, I called him up once and I said, I shouldn't be like this. And he says, "You, but you are. What are you going to do about it? And I went. <sighs> and he says, I would suggest first, 
go to work uh, because I was I was angry because I had woken up late for work and I broke something, uh, broke a window. Uh, and, and he goes, I would suggest going to work. And so, you know, this Alcoholics Anonymous and, and Joe and I were talking before the meeting. I used to love I got sober and there were these people. Hello, I'm so-and-so, and I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. And Oh, we have something that other people don't have. And I'd sit there and I'd think, yeah, it's called alcoholism. It's an incurable disease. And uh, I don't think it's all that big, fat, hairy deal and all that stuff, you know. And, and, and they'd be like, and so I'm, I'm not one of those. But I reached a point where I'm, I'm grateful that I am sober, Okay. I'm, I'm grateful in my case that my alcoholism has brought me to a better way of living because I don't think I would have done it on my own. It wasn't like I was just one. And there are people out there. And that's what, by the way, people, oh, we've got something other. And I'm, I know a lot of spiritual people who they're just nice. Okay. I went into the prisons for a long time, did prisons meeting. And those, some of those people from church, they're freaking awesome, but God, they're dense. And they're like, you mean they tried to con us? We'd be in those orientations and they'd like, they're like, don't give them any personal information. Don't do this for them and all that. And they're like, you mean they would try to con us? And I'm like, yeah, because they're criminals. Uh, and I'm like, I understand them. I am a criminal who did not get caught uh, as much as I should have, uh, you know, and, and all that. And, and so it's one of those things and it's like, but they're really great people and they're out there helping people and they're doing wonderful things in the world and all that stuff. It's like, so we don't have a monopoly on that stuff. Okay. I wouldn't have gotten this if it hadn't been for the fact that I had to do it. You know, it was like, they said, well, you can, my sponsor would look at me and say, well, you can do it your way. How's your way work? Not well. And he, or you can do it our way. Uh, and, and, and so I'm like, okay, well, I'll do it your way. Uh, you know, I've also had, and so I moved out of Tucson. I moved to Yuma. I stayed sober in Yuma. That's a story. Uh, I, uh, Yuma's a funky little town. Uh, I, uh, had a sponsor down there. Roy came up here. My sponsor, my longest sponsor, Don Garib. Uh, uh, I love that man. And, And he was just, uh, and he he saw me through a lot and it, it, good sponsorship. Uh, and now my my sponsor is Frank P. I have a sponsor. I sponsor people. I still do uh, I still do uh, service work uh, because they told me what I, I got into service work early. Early on, they just said, "Hey, go over and talk to that new guy. You're really really messed up. He'll believe you." Uh, <laughs> Tell them what you've done to stay sober so far. And, you know, but what I discovered in that was I would get 15 or 20 seconds of relief. And it was like, ooh, okay, because my mind was running all the time. Uh, and so, you know, I, I guess I'd, I'd wrap up. Today, I, I, I've, I've had dogs. Like I said, I love that dog. Toby the dog was awesome. Uh, and Bosco and Snoopy, they were awesome. And, and now I got Zeus, king of the dogs. Uh, and, you know, I, I, I am trying, I am trying to love other people like that dog loves me. You know what I mean? That I come home and, and, uh, and, and, and it's like, he is always happy to see me, you know, and he just, 
he just loves, and even though, you know, if you get, you like, you raise your voice or anything like that, he goes to the bathroom. Uh, <laughs> it's like, dude, I'm out of here. Uh, you know, and, and all that stuff. But the thing is, is when I walk in and I go, hey, what you doing? And he stands up, he wags his tail, and, and it's like, and, and you know, if you're new, and uh, keep coming back. This works. This works if you work it. Uh, I'm living proof of that because I will tell you, I started out and I worked the steps in spite. It, this ain't going to work. And when it doesn't work, I can look at you folks and I can tell you, it'll work for people like you, but it won't work for somebody as sick as me. Uh, but the big thing for me is I have to keep on doing this. I am not one of those people who just, you know, it, it just got beautiful and all that stuff. It is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. But this is still scary. Okay. Uh, if I don't treat my alcoholism on a daily basis, I, I, I am in trouble. You know, and so th the best thing I've gotten is I need to come to Alcoholics Anonymous because this is where this is where the cure is, you know. And there's all that thing, are you recovered or are you recovering? Oh, God, I'm an English teacher. Who cares? Uh, but what it tells me is that I am never cured. And that's all I have to remember. I am never cured of alcoholism. I take a drink today. I don't even know where my alcoholism is. It's been a long time since I had a drink. But what they tell me is my out and my experiences, my alcoholism kept marching. You know, I probably, well, no, I'll probably keep living because Mike said, worse yet, you could keep on living the way you're living. You know, I don't want to live that way anymore. You know, life is too good. So uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, I'm great. I'm glad that I got out here. I'll have to come again now, especially I know Tom comes for the food. Uh, so, uh, so thank you very much. I appreciate that and keep coming back.